Welcome to the latest edition of the OmniTalk Spotlight Series, where we discuss the technologies, the companies, and the people that are shaping the evolution of retail. Today, we turn our spotlight on a topic that is quite important, and yet, in our opinion, not very well understood. And that's the topic of VR, or virtual reality. And I'm excited to announce our guest today, who are going to help us delve into this question even further. Our guests today are Thong Nguyen and Brad Von Bank, the founder and founding partners of Rumera, the company that wants to help you see and to test the future. Thong, Brad, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us today, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Honored to be here. Awesome. Well, I've known you guys for a really long time. I think what's going on for almost four years now, probably that we've known each other. We've talked about doing this for a while. It's exciting to to actually be here to get together because this is a topic that I think there's a lot going on in the media it's not very well understood, and I think you guys, given what you're doing, can shed some light on it. So, Thong, why don't we start with you? I think you're the resident expert here in the room amongst the three of us. Talk to us a little bit about, first, let's talk about your background, and then talk about VR, and, and why is it not as well understood as it probably should be? Thanks, Chris. Uh, it's funny you mentioned four years. So I've actually been working in VR for the past four years, so you've known me for as long as I've, I've been working in VR. <laughs> but um, uh, before that, I spent about 18 years working in e-commerce um, at organizations like Target and Best Buy as the growth curve of the internet kind of took its shape. And it's interesting because based on my work, I actually think that VR is going to be one of the most important technologies in the next 10 years because it's an incredibly effective way to get information and embodied knowledge in and out of our brains in a way that's very different than traditional media. And unfortunately today, a lot of people, when they think about VR, they associate it with games and entertainment. And what that does is it shuts people off to the idea of all the potential impact that it could have on society. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it, yeah, it does feel that way? It feels like we're so focused on it so far from the consumer-facing side. Like I think of the the VR room builders or, you know, whatever else you can come up with. Why is it that we naturally gravitate towards that when we're talking about this topic or just even technology topics in general? So that's a really interesting question, Chris. Um, When most people think about VR, they're thinking about furniture builders. And to be honest, that's the place where we started as well, because that's what has the most impact on our day-to-day lives. But when you really look at the foundation of it, um, What VR is solving are actually very human problems. It helps people experience things before they actually exist. And I think the ramifications of that go well beyond just the individual consumer. Will it get there? Yes. But I think, you know, if you were to look back at the internet, there were so many things that people envisioned the internet would do that it didn't really do right away. It took a lot of the ecosystem to take shape for things to happen. And I think... What were examples of that in your mind? Given your experience? Uh, Early days of the internet, right? I can still remember massive debates around is, you know, the internet another channel? Is it a marketing channel? Is it just really for pushing traditional communication? Uh, Or is it really going to transform the way we interact with each other as human beings? You know, and that debate raged on for years within numerous organizations where they were trying to figure out how do we use these new capabilities? And what you tend to see is, Companies tend to bring the past into future mediums. Mm-hmm. They use new mediums in the way that they used old mediums in right, the past. Right. You know, so in the early days, it was really about print process on the web. 
And you know, fast forward to 20 years later, a lot of things have changed, but that maturity curve is really tough to climb. And I think VR again is like it's like the internet 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. People are really trying to bring the experiences, the workflow, the knowledge of today into a medium that's really uh, uh, quite a few years down the road. Yeah, it's interesting because I think you see, I think you see that a lot. Like I can think of it with con- con- computer vision. I can see it with AR applications in store, like the virtual try-ons that you have in store, which you're kind of like, well, if I'm in the store, I'd just rather put the jewelry in my ear. Why do I need this image of it, right? Like yep. I'm already there. And we forget because it just is so easy for our mind to gravitate towards those things. We forget that there's so many other things that can technology can help. And a lot of times what technology can help at least from my perspective, is the things that we do over and over again that we can just do more efficiently and find better ways to make that happen. So I know that's what you guys focus on. So let's shift gears now a little bit to the company of Rumera. What is it you guys do then? How do you use virtual reality and the application of of making it easier for retailers to do what they do day in and day out very well? So you mentioned before, you know, our whole tagline is we help leaders see and test the future so they can make better decisions today. And Really what it is, is it it goes beyond seeing. It's about actually experiencing. If you think about how uh, organizations tend to work today, we work a lot in our minds, right? We have ideas, concepts, visions of the future. And it's interesting when you start working with organizations, how little of that knowledge is transferred and when it is transferred, how much error there is. For example, if you're working with a design partner, Right, and a design partner has five different concepts. How much of that knowledge is actually re- received by the teams they're working with? Even within that that organization itself, we find that there's a lot of challenges in this transference of knowledge. And uh, consequently, with the mediums we have today, if you're sitting in a room full of people and you're watching a uh, listening to a creative brief on a PowerPoint deck, how much empathy do you actually have? for the consumer that's actually going to be using this experience. There's very little of that type of knowledge that's transferred. And Brad, anything to add there? Yeah, I think the uh, that's a really astute observation. I think the other thing is that oftentimes we bring our own functional and human biases into that. So while one individual may have a vision for what that is meant to achieve, everyone else in the room is applying their own individual uh, experiences to that. And consequently, there's miscommunication in what that that vision could potentially be. Kind of going back to the thread in terms of how we started this conversation, in terms of our own perceptions of what something is, but that can be really difficult. And so then where do you guys best focus in terms of how you help retailers in terms of what processes that they can do better? Yeah. So it's interesting to think about, you know, if you look at process today, Brad mentioned, you know, everybody kind of brings their own biases. One could say that everybody brings their own reality to the table, which is their own sets of experiences, the way way they see the world. And quite often what you see is that those realities are not joined until the doors open or the product is released or critical integration points where people's realities actually have to come together. And there's a lot of friction in that process. Mm -hmm. And so what we do with virtual reality is we allow teams to express their reality in a way that's shareable, right? The fact that you can now experience somebody else's reality as they see and hear and feel it before it's actually physically built changes how that integration process works. So like an example would be, say, like a new store design. Yes. Something like that. 
So what you're saying is essentially like basically everyone has their own perception of what that is because and oftentimes it's done two-dimensionally. There's partners strewn all over the globe, inside the headquarters, in different locations. Everyone brings their own preconceived notions of what that should look like. And yet you're trying to do this practice of experience design, but it doesn't really come together because you have no tools that allow you to really cement what it is you're actually building until you actually build it. Imagine a creative brief where everybody sees the same exact deck and everybody walks out of the room with a different idea of what the future is going to look like. You know, and th- those are some of the challenges we see quite often. It's very different than the conversation around, well, let's walk into these five different experiences, right? And let's talk about that in real time and let's make changes in real time. That really changes how that discussion is had and how that knowledge is actually, actually uh, absorbed. Yeah, I mean, I can remember those days working as a big retail on Target. You put the brief out, then you go through all this consternation to make it happen. It's the big unveil, so to speak. And then all of a sudden, somebody's like, well, this is totally different than what I thought. Yeah. And I, I would say, too, that latency is a killer in process. What do you mean there? Anytime there's a delay between an idea and the execution of idea, that idea, there's a lot of room for error. So let's say you walk into a creative brief, and it takes six months later to realize that. There's a lot of things that happen in between. And so part of our process is how do you shorten that life cycle? So what you can experience is sooner is, is closer to where the idea originated. So how does that happen? Tell us tell the audience specifically how does VR help make that happen? So one way to think about VR is to think about it as um, a semi-physical experience that's digitally distributable. And that's maybe a more complicated way of saying hey, I can make you feel something without having to physically build it. And so when you start concepting an idea, now you don't have to move atoms and physical products around. You're actually moving bits and bytes, right? You're moving pixels around. So think about you know the speed of how digital photography has changed the, changed the entire industry. I think this will have a lot of impact on how we think about physical concepts today. Well, that was a question that I had, Thong, because you look at, where we were a few years ago and now like even companies that are they're taking 3d images of their products already so i have to imagine that when you're given a creative brief or you're tasked with building this first concept to even go into the creative brief that now you probably are armed with more assets from your clients and retailers than you probably were in the past and how does that impact kind of what you're able to come to the table with for that first brief meeting absolutely that's a that's a great um topic and point. Um, and it's actually a really big topic to discuss. But if you think about the amount of assets that we create today that live somewhere that's not accessible, all of those files, all of those assets that live across you know, file servers and partners, if you could bring those all into one place and they were accessible at the start of a project, wouldn't you be able to rearrange, change, and you know, be able to visualize and feel things sooner. And I think that's something we're tackling. Absolutely. So how how are you engaging with, whether it's the agencies that are working with retailers or the retailers themselves? Can you kind of break down that process for us and where, where you come in, uh, what the best time is, and then kind of what the life cycle is of, of an engagement with, with Rumera? Yeah, so we have, um, we address two very different audiences. One is the internal brand, like the the brand team, the the internal part of the organization that's actually focused on delivering the experience. 
We also have a portion of our organization that's focused on working with design partners and service partners as well. Okay. Um, it's interesting because what brings them together is the platform and the ability for these teams who are sometimes very uh, working on very independent tracks right. to be able to integrate their work in a way that's more visible and more tangible. And so an engagement looks uh, for us looks like really understanding what your current process is, where you are in the design process. Are you at the research phase? Are you, do you already have, you know, design, have you done design review? Do you have concepts that you're looking at? Or do you already have actually something that has a physical footprint that you're trying to re-optimize? Sure. So how we engage actually depends on where you are in the process. We also look at organizational maturity. As a team, how are your teams and capabilities functioning together? You know, who are the partners you work with? Are you geographically distributed? Um, and I think that's a, a key value that we provide too is we can help teams that are working in completely uh, independent geographies to be able to come together in a digital space. And what does the hardware look like that these teams need to be ar armed with? Is that, you know, are, are you helping them decide what kind of equipment they should have? How does that work? Based on what we see today uh, in the market in 2019, um, we primarily work with the HTC Vive, okay. um, which right now has most of the capabilities needed to be able to do what we need to do. Down the road, I think the ecosystem is maturing, maturing at a rapid rate. And so some of the advisory that we provide to our clients is, well, how do you stay ahead of that? What do you actually need to have? How do you not chase the hardware curve so right. that you're spending money everywhere, right? Right. Because really what we need is to be able to support a cohesive experience that's easy to use and accessible. So take us through step by step then. You know, if somebody if someone were to come to you and say, look, we, we get it. We don't want to spend as much money. Uh, on just our overall process. We don't want to get to the end of it and look back and say, oh my God, we don't like what we built. We want our teams to communicate better. If they're interested, how does this start with you? And take us through step-by-step step how you get somebody to the end. Maybe there's a good anecdote you guys can share, a good example. Because um, I think we'd love to hear specifics in terms of how that happens and also where the value is in that chain of work as you start to unlock it for these retailers and these constituents. Yeah, I'll, I'll draw a little bit of a parallel here. So back in the early web days, when I was doing web consulting for organizations. <laughs> web. You know, <laughs> web, the internet. Um, back then, the biggest deal was just to get a website out. And it was so much the Wild West where people were like, well, what do I put on the website? What do I do with it? You know, there was, it, there weren't really a ton of guidelines and rules and regulations. And I think VR is similar in that regard. So what we try to encourage is this isn't going to supplant or replace all of the processes you have today on the first day. It's an evolving capability. And what you really need to do is build a shared understanding within organ the organization of how to even use this capability. And so we encourage, you know, starting with a, a crawl, walk, run, where how do you get this into people's hands? How do you start to understand what the true impact of this is? And how do you, you know, start to think about how where your processes are today in the maturity curve and how this will actually help them evolve? And so, Brad, this, I think, is your sweet spot, too. You know, as you do this, as you acculture people to what the tool can do, what are the benefits? Like, if we get to the actual bottom line benefits of, of, of why this is important for, for companies to think about, what are those? Yeah. So, there are... There are very uh, big business case drivers 
around speed to market, internal operational efficiency, the ability to confidently move forward with innovative designs and test those and have data and evidence that support your case before you make very large capital investments. Uh, on the process side, one of the really exciting things about the platform, having spent most of my career in large organizations driving innovation work, new product introductions, is that we tend to have processes that are very sequential. Mm -hmm. And they flow through the functional teams in a waterfall manner. Right. Uh, makes a lot of sense. Over decades of process improvement and building out those capabilities, these have evolved, and it's the way that we kind of go through the design process. So there's a huge benefit internally to be able to bring those teams together early, take your insights, and start to hypothesize what type of experiences you want to create. And before you get too far along, you can virtualize those on the Romero platform. I mean, ultimately, that's what Romero is built to do is help to accelerate that process and uh, provide a platform to test that with customers before you go to market. So are you guys, in a way, are you bringing kind of the digital product model into architecture then in some ways? Like in it's almost in response to just how fast the consumer is changing and how fast digital can change. Are you now kind of bringing that type of ethos and capability into like say physical design? I think it's not only bringing some of the tools, but bringing the thinking. The thought you know, process. There, there's a sense of parallelism, parallelism that you can have with technology that mm -hmm. you can't have in physical space. And so it, it starts opening up some new capabilities. And what are those? Like is, I mean, the ones we always talk about in digital are like you can, you can more rapidly test. You can do more permutation analysis. Like wh what are some of those things? Uh, well, multivariate testing in VR gets really interesting because okay. you can have multiple versions of the same room existing at the same time and be able to swap between them in fractions of a second. Which in a retail world, old world, right, Brad? I mean, what, that's like a store in Kansas City and a store in Florida, right, from yeah, our experience? Absolutely. And both Thong and I have backgrounds in digital, and we spent lots of time and money doing usability studies in very sterile labs, and everyone would love what they saw, and it tested really well, and then you'd get it in a store, and the sun would shine on someone's phone, and and all of a sudden it wasn't such a great experience. And so what we often lacked there was the ability to do contextual testing in the environments that customers actually use those digital products. The Romero platform allows us to integrate multiple outside technologies. So if you've done a prototype of a new in-store kiosk or you're looking to build out a new uh, form of experience that's mobile-enabled, and you really want to build it in an omni-channel way, you can now pull those through and you can test those simultaneously in the context of a physical environment. So the beauty of it is, yes, it, it, it is rapidly evolving how you do physical space design, but it's coupling that with the ever-present and, and much-needed digital design as well. So we can bring those together. And we can also have multiple individuals in the environment so if you want to simulate and test out service interactions, you're also able to do that. And you can test all of it. So you can test your traditional eye tracking and wayfinding and 
uh, and conversion of potential designs. But we're also experimenting with biometric testing so we can layer in more advanced data so that organizations can make informed decisions. Meaning what? Okay, that's crazy. So meaning what? Like you can, I can go in, I can go in as kind of a subject, quote unquote, you can measure my biofeedback to whatever you're putting in front of me and then correlate it later should you actually put something into market? Yeah, uh, even before that. Okay. So let's say you are looking at reimagining a category within a retailer. And uh, undoubtedly, you have many opinions within the organization, and you have data that supports many of those hypotheses. And in in uh, formerly, you would probably debate those, and you would spend a lot of time trying to determine which direction you should go, knowing that you have to make a decision and ultimately go to market with something. We like to think that now you can bring those competing designs import them into the Romero platform, create a multivariate test, bring customers through that, and measure many different things, both quantitatively and qualitatively, including if someone is uh, maybe a new mom, is looking to buy a stroller, we would basically model out what those environments look like and say, bring in customers and say, hey, just go shop for a new stroller. Right. And we'd observe and we'd uh, maybe see a spike in her heart rate at certain points in that shopping experience. And we'd be able to then go back and qualitatively explore what was triggering that. Were you excited? Were you actually really frustrated because you couldn't find it? And was it a signage issue? Was it a product issue? Was it actually the exact stroller, but you couldn't reach it because it was placed too high on the – right? You know, so – so we can really delve into very specific elements of the experience, but do it in a holistic contextual environment. And correlate it back to the findings that you eventually see in the real world too. I think that's the thing that I love about this. Like, cause how do you do that two dimensionally in the yep. world that we have now? Like yep. you could make all these theories, but you have no data points yep. to say, you know, with that type of degree of confidence, like, okay, we saw this before. Are we seeing it again? Or yes, no, why not? Yeah. Right? Like, that's, yeah. I, we, I look at a floor plan and my heart races, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but but you want to leverage all the- You do the in, Joey Tribbiani. I jump yeah. into the map and yeah. you yeah. measure yeah. you that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You still want to leverage all your existing insights, your purchase behavior. Right. Uh, to f- start forming what- why it's not working or how it might need to change. And those will form the hypotheses which lead you to some design concepts. Mm -hmm. And what we often talk to our clients about is this isn't to to basically pick one design before you even start the process and then test that. It's to say, hey, there are 10 great ideas here. Mm -hmm. We We could take any one of those ideas on any given day use the data that we have to argue that this is the best way. We could go out to customers and ask them about that. And they could give us reasons why they like it or they don't like it. Ultimately, what we want to do is make that as real as possible, as fast as possible, at low, as low a cost as possible, and put them in that environment. And there is a ton of research uh, on virtual reality where within about 30 seconds, people lose themselves and start to behave 
in a way that they do in normal life. And so if you can trust their behavior, then you can trust the measurements that correlate with that. Well, yeah. And what I love about that is what you said, how the, you lose yourself in it once you're in the VR environment. You can't do that in a dark store or in a foam core model of a concept when you're doing focus groups through those spaces and you can't do it in as many places like you can with a, a concept or a platform like Rumera. I mean, it allows you to do so much more testing too than I think you ever yeah, could Yeah, it's before. still one static environment, right? Right. That's the takeaway. And right? that, that immersion is actually multidimensional too. So it's not just for the participant, right? It's also for the observers, the people that are actually watching the experience. If they can feel like they're there with the customer, how does that change the level of empathetic knowledge transfer? That's a great point. We were actually just talking to somebody this week about how hard it is to have people conduct a focus group on a packaging change, we'll say, for example, and how to have the people who are 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 participating in what the packaging change decision should be interact with the focus groups they get a they at the end of the focus group, you get a report of this is what they thought or this is what they would like hypothetically, we don't even know, but this is what they said they might like in this environment. But now you have the ability to actually interact with them if you chose and to be, like you said, Thong, in that space with them, uh, engaging real feedback in real time. And I think, Brad, your t- I think your takeaway for me, I think kind of puts a pin in everything, which is you're not, you're not redesigning anything. All the tools and processes and best practices you put into store design or whatever type of element of design that it is, those all still remain. What you're saying here is that there's a complementary tool by way of VR, which can work to, and it's kind of ironic in the name, but to create a new real reality or shared reality, which actually isn't virtual. It's real. It's a real reality for everyone to come together and agree upon what is the ultimate vision that we want to set out and build together and do it much more in front of everything than they ever did before. A real shared virtual reality. Yes. Well, and even yeah, right. <laughs> e- even even better, it's not an adjacent tool. It's a grand aggregator. So oftentimes we'll have clients say, well, what do we need to learn? What What do we have to invest in, in our people so that they can actually leverage the power of this? And, and the brilliance of the architecture and what Thong and team have done is we ingest whatever tools are being used by those teams today. So whatever teams, uh, a store design team is using a set of tools, we can just take whatever their output is as our input. So they don't have to learn anything new. Creative teams already have their own tool sets. We just take that as an input. And because of that, I think teams can, by and large, continue to function and leverage their tools and expertise one of the challenges is that we like to move the testing up front. And so there is process change right. and almost like a mindset change that it doesn't have to be perfect uh, and, and you don't wait until the end to test it. That it's much more iterative right. and you're getting constant feedback and refining that idea. And you're also collapsing the amount of time that you need to invest to get something to market. And as a, as we all know, speed's the name of the game today in retail. And um, and you just can't wait a wa- around anymore. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to get those experiences and those investments out in the marketplace as mm-hmm. quick as possible. Yeah, it always goes back to my fate, one of my all-time favorite quotes. I never forget it from business school. I think it's from IDO. Enlightened 
trial and error succeeds over planning every time. And that's kind of a universal axiom at this point in so much of the work we do, especially on the digital side in terms of how things have evolved. So seeing that come, I think, into the physical world, into architecture come to life, I think it's really exciting, really inspiring. Well, okay. I've no, like we said, we've known you guys for quite a while, and we're not going to let you off the hook. So we're coming to the close. So are you guys ready? Are you ready for this one? How millennial are you? We've heard about this. I think I, I, <laughs> I, think I need to leave right already. now. With, uh... <laughs> I mean, these guys have a VR company. I feel like we already know the answer to this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's well, see. We've been know. surprised before. It's true. That's true. Quite surprised. Um, are you guys ready? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're, All ready. Right. All right. We're ready. We're ready. Let's ready. do it. Hit us. All right. So our first how millennial question are you? When the option is available... Let's say you are at the grocery store, you're about to check out. Are you pulling out a credit card or cash or are you using mobile payment like Apple Pay or Samsung Pay or the like? Be honest. Thong, you first. Do gold coins count? Uh, wow. Oh my God, are you I'm going, hedging I, against inflation. <laughs> Thong doesn't buy anything. Every, Thong's going every, crypto. Every, every penny, yeah, he's got Bitcoin. It's, it's funny because... Um, all my credit cards are consolidating into mobile payment themselves. So sure. underneath those mobile payments are all credit cards anyway. So both is yeah. my answer. Okay. It's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. I was thinking like um, digital credit cards. What is that? That's mobile payment. Yeah, that's mobile so. payments, right? I guess I'm slowly moving over to mobile payment. I still have credit cards though. Yeah. And then so, I, you know, yeah, we're not going to let you off the hook. So you're at the grocery store. You got three bags waiting for you. You pulling out the credit card or using Apple Pay or Samsung Pay? Or your phone or, with one of your digital credit cards. How about the retailer's app? Oh, there you go. Oh, oh. No. snap. Yeah. Bringing it back. Better question is what are you doing in the virtual retail environment? Ooh. Credit card. Blinking. <laughs> you probably use a credit card because that's what most people are doing. <laughs> All right. Don't. Okay, next don't, question. Don't we have eye payment? Yes, <laughs> I was, that's what I said. We, optical payment. You that's scan what I their said. eyes. Yeah, blinking three times yeah. for, yes. Um, okay, how many times this past week have you ordered food or coffee or drinks from a mobile app? Brad, we'll start with you first. Zero. Oh, my God. Whoa. Dinosaur. <laughs> Well, we travel together, <laughs> so I want to hear your answer. Twice, and both at the airport. Okay. Oh, what did you do? Uh, they had basic. They had a tablet there. Okay. Okay. Tablet kiosk. Okay. So that okay. Wait, you were my sugar daddy this week, so do I get twice? <laughs> <laughs> I'll shoot. Those you. were my meals too. <laughs> Through osmosis. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're a coffee guy, right? Yeah. Like you don't do you don't do Starbucks app. You don't. I haven't been to Starbucks this week. Oh, okay. Okay. I was traveling. And Normal stuff. week, average week. Are you whipping out the the app? I'm curious. Uh. I don't know. This is so great. I'll, tra I'll track it for you. And okay. I'll, I'll, I'll report back. I, I love when these are played back in the office, we'll put it in this, the, is yeah. the, this is the part that always gets the most play in the office. Yeah. We'll put it in the show notes, Brad. Yeah. Exactly. We're going to hold you accountable. Yeah. Edit that out. There will if be follow-ups. If that makes me look bad, could you edit that out? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> like unhip or... <laughs> All right. Last question. If you guys could only use one social app for the rest of your life, what app would you choose and why would you choose that app? I'll throw this one out to the crowd. Whoever wants to go first. If I said, what are your choices? Oh, I could tell you. I could okay. easily tell you what mine is. Yeah. yeah. You want to know mine? Uh, yeah. Know. Know. Yeah. My social app for sure right now is LinkedIn. Yeah. Just, I think it's just so pervasive, yep. uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, 
uh, for everything we do day in and day out, and especially in terms of what we do in terms yep. of you know kind of being a quote unquote retail influencer for lack of a better word. But yeah, that's definitely mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would say Instagram. You're a big for grammar. sure. I'm I'm all about the gram. Thankfully, because one of us has to be. <laughs> one of us has to. Be. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I my I LinkedIn's a close second though. My husband calls it Facebook for yeah. work, and that I that we're I, we're just scrolling scrolling like crazy. Have you heard of Thong's World by chance? <laughs> that was a Thong's World was a precursor to Facebook that this guy Truth. created. That sounds like something so different. I oh know. I got a lot of traffic. Did you really? I bet you did. I bet you did. <laughs> All organic. You didn't have to pay. A I didn't have to pay for search. Oh my god! Is yeah. Thong's World your answer? <laughs> no, no. Thanks, Brad. <laughs> thanks. What is what? your That's answer? That's legendary. Uh, I was gonna say MySpace for kicks, but uh, oh. or Friendster, but sure. that would date me. I think number one would be LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, number two, and I think this would be controversial, but SMS is actually a key social app. We have for not me. heard yeah. that before. That is awesome. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just yeah. from a practical standpoint. We talk about that a lot, actually, about how under, probably not well understood that that is. Yeah. Yeah. But we what, don't think of it as an app. Right. Right. But right. it's pretty key. Yeah, absolutely. What is it? And you said, uh, what is it? WeChat has how many active users? Oh, like 900 billion users or something. Billion. Like. <laughs> Not billion, but yeah. I, I don't it remember. The world just exploded. I was, overnight. I was going, I was going now, uh, now in Star Wars. far out. Yes, because I don't remember the exact number. But yes, it's a lot. What about you? Sir? Well, I mean, I've been... Uh, so interesting that people said LinkedIn because I was thinking that and I thought that's not cool enough. But, uh, you know, certainly um, across the the different um, businesses that I'm involved in, uh, I'm constantly networking and trying to build authentic relationships. So that's pretty key. Uh, but then I was also thinking, you know, Microsoft have done a nice job on their productivity suite and their tools and converting those into mobile formats. Mm. So I, I kind of want to give them a little cred because yeah. I, I think they often uh, are viewed in a um, like, like they don't quite get it. Uh, and then um, I think, you know, like how how Apple's news aggregator mm. has uh kind of created a different way to consume content. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and so I think more recently, as I've been even thinking about how do you, how do you quickly digest insights uh, across not just the business world, but polit- you know, like the world is so complex. It's so tightly integrated. Uh, decisions being made in uh, government and social sectors uh, influences whatever you're doing. And so being able to, to really kind of have a grasp without spending three hours reading the New York times. Uh, I think they're doing a really great job of that. And, and so I've been spending more time, uh, really leveraging that. That's really that interesting service. too. Cause a lot of times we do hear Twitter, I think for the same rationale, it's also interesting. And in just in the last week, you know, Facebook made their announcements around basically being a news and content aggregator yeah. with quality news sources, given all the flack that they've received recently. So it'll be interesting to see. That's one thing we should check in on is to see if that actually starts to take hold for any of us, you know, in the next say six months to a year, because yeah. that'll be really interesting and game changing if they do it well. All right. Well, that was fun. That was awesome. So for those that were listening you know, at home on their drive to work, if they're interested in learning more about Rumera or the concept of kind of virtual reality and its application in retail and retail design, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you guys? So uh, check out our website at rumera.com. 
uh, or hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. And then if you want to learn more about VR in general and the applications actually outside and uh, with, uh, that have broader impacts on society, uh, I did a TEDx talk for TEDx Minneapolis in 2018 that you can check out on YouTube. Uh, otherwise, email me at thong at rumera.com and we'd love to chat with you. Awesome, awesome. Again, thank you guys so much. Again, it's Thong Nguyen, Brad Von Bank of Rumera. Thanks so much for spending time with us today, you guys. To everyone listening, as always, be careful out there. <laughs>